0: Thank you, Sama. Thank you, Cynthia, for leading us in that time. And, man, uh, just a beautiful moment to see all of us gathered, all of us gathered in unison. And that's because we really do believe that, church. We really do believe that we need one another, that we need to be reminded of who God is. Each and every day. And so, thank you for being here this morning with us. If you're joining us online, thank you as well for joining us online. As Carlos has already mentioned, uh, he kind of let the cat out of the bag, but we've been going through uh, a series. We've been going through our series that we've called Alpha and Omega. And what he said is true. You guys are halfway through. Uh, it's like we're running a marathon and you guys just completed a half marathon. So I don't know if, when the last time, you know, I don't know the last time that I ran, uh, but I want you guys to know that you guys are officially running a marathon and you've already completed a half marathon. But it's, it's as if in this chapter, yeah, yeah, a lot of you guys are, are, are clapping for that, yes. Uh, but uh, it seems as if, you know, we've already gone through a lot of, Uh, clarification that we need to figure out all the symbolism that is happening, the prophecy that we see through the vision that John is given through Jesus Christ. And it kind of feels like we've gone through some hills, but then now in chapter 13, we're going to turn and all we see, instead of just this happy-go-lucky field, we're going to see a dark forest. We're going to see a dark forest and man, that, that feels really scary. And so my, my job today, my goal uh, is, is to actually shed light into that darkness because we believe here at Grace that God's word is, is, is first and foremost all things good and all things true and that his word is powerful and that even... Satan, even the power of the enemy, even the schemes of the enemy will not prevail against our faithful God. And so that is why we are not shy about proclaiming what's gonna happen. We're not shy about seeing how the the end times are gonna happen. And so my... My goal is, is for us to uh, take a look at these chapters because I really do believe that uh, in spite of all the evil, in spite of the, the tactics, tactics and what we're going to see, that we truly can find hope. That there are clues that we see in scripture that point us to God and his perfect plan and his perfect power. Uh, so the, the, three, the main questions that I want uh, to go over today is, uh, we're going to talk about uh, end times as what we've been doing and specifically during the great tribulation. So this is the period of persecution that is happening when Satan uh, starts uh, uh, just showing who he is, uh, not only to, to believers, but to the non-believers as well. And so what I want us to uh, really focus on today is, is figure out what is Satan going to do? How is he going to wage war? During this time, as we're reading chapters thirteen and fourteen, and of course, because this is a revelation, because this is prophecy, because we have uh, different uh, symbols and meanings, we have to try to figure out what does it all mean. You know, I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm I'm not a Bible expert. Uh, I haven't spent you know thirty plus years like some of our teaching pastors have, man. But I do believe that we as Everyday common folk, average Joes, we can also glean from from Scripture. And so I believe in that. I really, truly believe that the Holy Spirit can help guide us and teach us. And so I hope that you do today as well. And so as we we read that, man, we want to understand what can we learn from this. What is the big takeaway? Why are we having to read about the future when we're not living in that time? So my... Just my my thought process for, for this morning, is, it really and truly is uh, for us to, to take a look uh, and, and kind of look closely as we read together. I want you guys to follow along with me. I want you to open up your Bibles. I'm gonna be reading from the New Living Translation, but I will have uh, a New American Standard Version uh, up there. So that way you have kind of two perspectives to do that. And so what I'm hoping is that all of us can read through chapter 13 which is one of the hardest and most difficult chapters in the Bible and it's also one of the darkest and so we're going to do that together so that that way we can overcome what we see in chapter 13 with the truth of who God is and what we'll see in chapter 14. Uh, So uh, let's just jump in real quick. So the first thing that that we see here is that that uh, in at the end of chapter 12, two weeks ago, uh, if those of you that were here, uh, Carlos was was explaining this vision that uh, that John saw that he witnessed a great red dragon, and we figured out that that was Satan, that was the devil, and that he showed himself of who he was, and he was persecuting the woman in chapter 12, which we found out was Israel. And he tried to devour her child, meaning Jesus Christ, but we know that that, uh, that Jesus, when he was a baby, was able to escape from the, the schemes of, of the devil. And so at the end of chapter 12, two weeks ago, we kind of left it at a cliffhanger. And we left it at a cliffhanger where the dragon was angry at the woman because he was not able to uh, uh, do his plan, and he decided to declare war against her children. And so that's where we kind of left off two weeks ago, and we're going to see how he wages war uh, moving forward. So we're going to read right here, starting in verse 13. So I I'm going to read the first couple of verses. Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and 10 horns with 10 crowns on its horns and written on each head were names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. So, what we see here, we see Satan introducing one of his agents that we're going to uh, find out who it is, but he's starting to introduce this agent, and it first gets introduced to us as a beast. Now, uh, as we for, for the readers that at the time they would have been really familiar with some of this analogy because at the very very beginning when they when they see the beast they describe the be- uh, John describes the beast as having looking like a leopard with a bear and a lion and if if we actually go back to Daniel chapter seven we see that there is a reference to a vision that Daniel has about the end times, that God gave him a vision. And it also included these beings. And so for the people that are that are reading this, they're starting to see that there is some resemblance going on. But... Uh, having to clarify uh, this, this, this is a, a person and not necessarily a beast. And so that's why we see it. it's really, really confusing here to try to figure out what, you know, ten horns having seven heads, just trying to imagine that uh, is, is it's kind of interesting. But the, the purpose that we see here is that the dragon has chosen this person to, and has given him his power And this is how he's going to establish his satanic kingdom during the great tribulation. You see, the purpose that Satan has with uh, bringing this first beast is is complete world domination. And that's what we're going to read. That's what we're going to read here. So uh, continuing on, um, verse 3, we're going to keep reading in verse 3. I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshipped the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they worshipped the beast. Who is as great as the beast, they exclaimed, who is able to fight against him? So we see here that that the beast is given power by the dragon, but as we understand, this beast is a person and he's coming out of the sea. And so uh, for... For those of us who are not Jews, anytime that, that, that uh, scripture pointed out to sea, they really were pointing to the Mediterranean Sea. And at the time, that was all they kind of knew. They knew that there was a sea and they didn't really know what was beyond that. And so the sea just always, uh, anytime the sea was mentioned, it was always the mention of chaos or darkness, uncertainty. And so it's really important that we know that this beast is rising up from the sea. And so what, what scholars are led to believe is that this, this means that there's going to be in, in, the, in the future during the tribulation period, there's going to be a person who is going to come from, he's not going to be Jewish, but a, a Gentile, a meaning from the sea, and that he's going to rise to power. And with the reference to Daniel chapter 7, we see here that there are kingdoms that that. Uh, Daniel foresaw through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're going to come. And so the seven heads and the ten horns do have meaning. They're not just there for for uh, just to scare us. They're actually there to explain a little bit more that there's a deeper meaning behind that. You see that the, the seven uh, heads represent seven kings uh, that uh, will be that have ruled, and then one that's going to rule at the present time. And the ten horns are going to be actually ten kings in the future that are going to side with uh, the beast. Now, we have to try to understand, what, what is the purpose behind this beast? Why, why are we shown here? What we see here is that um, slowly and surely, this beast is going to rise and start revealing who he is. And we actually are given in scripture more information about who this person is. And, and that's why for us uh, as believers, we need to try to figure out what this means. Because it, there's it, it's important for us to understand who this is and and why uh, he's going to come to power. Because as, as scripture foretells in 2 Thessalonians 2, Uh, Three through four is that there's going to be a person that rises to power. Just like what we see here in Revelation, uh, we actually read here uh, just a warning. And in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 4 says, Don't be fooled by what they say when referring to false teachers. For that day will come, this day in the future, where there will be a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed the one who brings destruction he will exalt himself and defy everything that people call god and every object of worship he will even sit in the temple of god claiming that he is god and so for us as we read this here we see here that that the the dragon, Satan, empowers this beast. He allows this beast to rise during the time of, of tribulation, and he empowers him because he wants uh, to dominate the earth. And so what we see here is, is how he does that. He, he comes with great power and authority, but more specifically, there's something that happens that actually brings about uh, all the world coming to uh, in awe and in wonder of who this person is and that's through this miracle of of a fatal wound that was healed and so as we read here it seems to be that one of the heads meaning one of 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 the kings or, or this leader himself was wounded but it seemed as 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 he healed miraculously and so everyone in the world marveled at that and so that is what initially drew them that's what brought their attention to this person and so they claimed that that all this power was due to the fact that he overcame this uh this miraculous uh happening and so what we see here is is that they worshiped the dragon and their response was actually to compare this dragon, to compare the dragon and the beast that has the power of the dragon, to to compare them with anyone else in the world at the time. And so they, they lifted up this beast and they proclaimed, who is as great as this person? Who is able to fight against him? And for readers at the time, and if you've spent some time in the Old Testament, you will also see that Oftentimes in, 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 in scripture, in the Old Testament, God and, the, and his prophets and the judges declare who is like God. And they declare that. And so here it's almost as if it's like a mockery against God himself because they're saying who is as great as this beast. They're acknowledging his existence and his power and they're forgetting everything about God. But the purpose that we see here is some sort of, of domination and and what we what we believed to to happen during this time is that this uh, this man of lawless, lawlessness this antichrist is going to come and he's going to rise to power and he's going to seek world domination by exerting his power. So we believe that that's going to be through uh, just the. It, the way that our world works is, is through the government, through political power. This will be the first time that there will be any sort of world empire, so to speak. But in reality, what we're gonna see is that it's more like hell on earth. Uh, because the, the, the beast himself is gonna start revealing more of his, his plan and his purpose. Because right now, he's just showing his power and people are, are marveling, and they're almost in. Uh, they, it first says that they're worshiping, but it's as if it's, they're just in awe of who this is. Now, uh, lastly, in, in verse 7 over here, we see that this first beast uh, started uh, just dominating the, pe- the believers at the time. And so they, they were, he was given permission to conquer them all. So this is how he's going to start during the great tribulation. And we continue here uh, the next the next reason what we believe about this this kingdom is that it's going to actually replace God's kingdom. So let's continue reading in verse eleven about this uh, what John sees next. So in verse eleven, uh, the word says, "Then I saw another beast." Come out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. He did astonishing miracles. Even fire flashed down from the earth, from the sky, while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to the world. So what we see here is that through uh, Satan, we have another beast that rises from the earth. And except this beast has uh, just a plan to actually point people to the antichrist, to point people to the man of lawlessness, to point people to... Uh, this beast that we see that rose from the sea, uh, and in reality, he's seeking to actually replace God's kingdom. Uh, what we see here is that this specific beast, he had two horns like that of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of the dragon. So he had all the authority of, of Satan, the dragon, but he seemed to be lesser than the first beast. Uh, and so what we see is that, that this person uh, we, we is later identified that he is the false prophet, that he is a prophet that is going to point people to the Antichrist, to point people to this man of lawlessness. Uh, and he wants to exalt the first beast and uh, he decides to start behaving and using miraculous signs and wonders. And so here's where we start seeing that the, the purpose of, of Satan is to try to deceive uh, the people, to try to deceive by working miracles as if he was God himself. And uh, just another example of that is, is we had the, the first example of this quote unquote resurrection that happened with the first beast. And then here we see that the prophet is able to call down fire from heaven And that should remind us of the time when Elijah in the Old Testament was facing the prophets of Baal and and Elijah tested, they tested Elijah and Elijah actually brought fire from heaven. And so it's as if here we see another example of, of Satan remembering what had happened in the past and Satan saying, I remember, I actually want to be able to prove my power. So I'm actually gonna perform this miraculous sign that didn't happen before. So he's trying to prove more and more of, of, of his power, the power that belongs to Satan. And he does so by working in this, these deceiving miracles that are happening. So we have the fire from the sky. And then lastly, we see uh, starting in, in verse uh, 15. He was then permitted to give life to uh, a statue after a statue was made uh, so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. So we see another example of God, uh, I'll, you know, we don't know what's, what's happening in this period during the great tribulation, specifically with uh, just these beasts, but we see that the, the false prophet is going to perform yet one more miracle that will uh, be very much like something that that happened in the past with Nebuchadnezzar and with Daniel. We see that there's this statue that is being uh, erected on behalf of this first beast, on behalf of the Antichrist, and uh, that this time, instead of just saying, hey, you need to worship this time, the, there's actually going to be above and beyond what originally happened, and, and he's going to allow the the statue to come to life and to speak. Uh, just another miracle that we have never seen before uh, by the power of of Satan. And so we see here uh, that Satan is wanting to point people to uh, the the Antichrist. The the false prophet is trying to point people to the Antichrist, and uh, this just helps me understand that uh, w- what I learned from this is that the antichrist—it's not necessarily trying to be against God, but it's actually what we see here is that the false prophet is really trying to to go in place of in place of Christ. And so, that's something that I learned is that uh, that the word antichrist doesn't just necessarily, in Greek just means not against, like anti as in against, but actually means in substitute of or in place of. So what we see here is, is they're really and truly trying to create this world order, and they're trying to uh, dominate the world. They're trying to uh, overpower with force, but at the same time, they're also trying to establish this this world religion, this world religion that is uh, for, the, for the worship of the antichrist. The last um, sign that we see here that happens is probably the, the scariest sign of all. Uh, in verse 16, uh, John tells us that he, meaning the false prophet, required everyone small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and that no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. So this all culminates to getting control, getting attention uh, from the miracles that are happening, and then finally we see that, that the false prophet is going to require everyone to have this mark. And as Carlos mentioned, that's something that there's just been a lot of speculation for thousands of years, for hundreds of years, to try to figure out what this means. Uh, And so what what we see here is we can go by what the text says. And what the text says is that this this number is representative of of a name, that that we're trying to be given a clue as far as the name of the person but this is during the the tribulation and so we we see that the antichrist is not going to be revealed until that time and so uh for us i think that that it's really important for us to understand what is the, the use of the mark rather than trying to figure out like what it exactly it means because we will not be ever to to fully know what the mark is until that time and we're not living in the time of the great tribulation but we see uh, just signs of that, and so what we what we have here is, is just this this ultimate sign of, of the mark of the beast. It's almost as if, yet again, that Satan and, and as he's establishing his kingdom, as he brings about the antichrist, who is trying to take the place of Jesus Christ and the false prophet here. That they create this this religion, this world religion, uh, that is is going against god and his followers and it becomes this almost like an unholy trinity just like we have god jesus christ and the holy spirit satan here uses the antichrist and the false prophet to create this unholy trinity and he decides to actually require people to have a mark of of himself and this is an just opposite of what we had read previously, that God's people will actually mark themselves, that they were marked on their foreheads with uh, just a sign saying that they belonged to God. And so what we have here is just this great divide between those that are marked by God and those that are marked by by the beast. And I'm trying to picture you know, what that's going to be like. I'm trying to picture that. And um, as, as, as a young parent, I'm trying to picture how, how, is, this, how is this world going to be with uh, just, just famine, with all the, the, the uh, specific uh, just signs and wonders that are happening, the, the terrors that we've read from the previous uh, trumpets, uh, and now we're entering into this period where there's a worldwide dictator and that he exalts himself and that he has this uh, uh, false prophet who creates all these miracles and signs. And so it can be really easy to see just like that, that, that there is no hope, that there is no hope behind all of this, that there is no hope behind uh, the, the events that are going to happen in the future because it's it seems as if Satan is just exerting his full force and that nothing on earth is going to stand in his way. That not only is he going to attack on a physical front, in the physical world, in the physical aspect, meaning like by uh, using the uh, just the, the political aspect of our government structure to u- using... Uh, just uh, the military power, uh, but also in the spiritual sense as well. And so he is attacking on both a physical front and a spiritual front as he establishes this religion that is trying to uh, be uh, against God and his people. And to me, that that's just seems such a, a scary thought to think about. It, it seems as if uh, as if it's, you know, gonna get worse and worse and worse. But that's when, um, for me, one of the things that I, I have to just be reminded of is that God is always gonna have, always has a plan. And what we see here is that even as as we read in these verses that we actually are given clues as to the plan and the purpose behind all this. So this is just the, the the truth that I want you guys to know that as as Satan tries to establish a kingdom, that in reality that this is a counterfeit kingdom. He's trying to do everything uh, against the God, but he is still under God's sovereignty. And so, what I want to actually go back to is is read a couple of these verses that kind of help unpack that. Uh, that. That even while Satan roams and and exercises his his full force, that we can still find comfort and hope based on uh, God, because He is actually the one that is reigning, and that He's actually fully in control and fully sovereign over all situations, including what is happening here in the tribulation. So, we uh, on on first thought we we see here that that the. Going back to the beast from the, the first beast, we go back and we read that the dragon gave him power and great authority. And so Satan gives him power. But I want you guys to, to read with me in verse 5. Read with me in verse 5. And the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. And specifically here, the next part, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. And so as I read this, as I read this, I have to stop. I have to stop and think about who, who, gave, who gave that authority to the beast? Who gave authority to the Antichrist? Was it Satan? And so that's what I'm trying to figure out right, you know, as I'm reading and at first, I, I think, well, surely the, the, the beast, the Antichrist was given his authority. We read that in, in verse three, but <laughs> something that, that to me just sticks out is, is just the fact that uh, we read in verse five that he was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, but he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. And so we see here that John has given us a clue that there is this predetermined time that God is going to allow this evil to happen. It's almost as if this this is really similar to to the interactions that Satan had with with Job, that we read in Job that that God allowed Satan to torment uh, Job for a certain period of time. And so for me, man, it's so easy for us to skip just a few words, but in just these few words, we're actually given a clue here that it's actually God who granted, who permitted these things to happen. And so we have to try to figure out why that is the case. Why, why, why let this happen? Why go through that? Because uh, as Satan seeks to be, worshiped as god he he blasphemes god and he starts persecuting the people of god but we see here that it's for a predetermined amount of time because god is fully in control of the situation and i think that this is really meant to is this is placed here to really remind us that despite of all of satan's efforts that we that he will always reign supreme, and that we can uh, see his just evidence of that in Scripture and evidence of that in our lives, and that is just the comparison that we see in chapter thirteen verses chapter fourteen. Because as the as Satan tries to to do the most that he can to try to replace God, to try to replace His kingdom, God still. Uh, Tells, God tells us through His Word that uh, this is only going to be for a predetermined amount of time. So, in chapter fourteen, we see we see just this uh, preview of what's going to happen. We see a preview of the ensuing victory against Satan and his followers. And so, in, if just to give a, a summary of of chapter fourteen, we have here. Uh, just a, ju- a juxtaposition, which means a complete opposite of what we were reading. We were, we were reading about the Antichrist and we we're reading about the power that he had and the miracles that he performed and the false prophet that came about and the miracles that the false prophet made so that he could deceive the people at that time into thinking that, that this beast, this Antichrist was worthy to be praised and that there was no one like him and even going to the point of uh, forcing people to, to do that, we see here that God, that the Lamb, that Jesus Christ is sitting uh, on the throne and he has people around uh, surrounding him uh, just singing glory to his name because of just them knowing that God is fully in control. And uh, following that, we have uh, three angels that that actually... Give us an indication as to, to why we can, we can trust that God is fully in control. Because as, as these angels are coming, they're flying to the sky. The first angel initially proclaims the eternal gospel. And so the, the, here we're giving the reason why God, God is trying to, uh, is allowing all this evil to happen. He really, truly desires for everyone to come to know Him. And so even in the darkest time, he, he desires for the people. He desires for even the people that, uh, that uh, are in the great tribulation, which, which we believe uh, happens after the rapture, after Jesus, uh, the church gets caught away, uh, that there will be people who will come to know him at that time. And he is, uh, has this period of time where he still desires the last remnant of his people to come to know him. And so he, his one last chance that he's giving to people is, is through this angel who's proclaiming the eternal gospel. And that gospel is that, that Jesus is Lord and that God reigns supreme and that there is no one like him. And that through Jesus, that through, through Jesus we can find hope and that we can find salvation. So, we see here that the first angel is proclaiming that, but then as we follow along in, in, in chapters 14, uh, we actually start seeing that God is going to uh, deliver on that promise that he's going to put an end to the, this satanic kingdom, this counterfeit kingdom, and that he starts proclaiming the defeat of Babylon, which is the, the, the symbolism of the kingdom of the Antichrist, and then he proclaims judgment to the people with the mark of the beast. So what we have here is is, uh, the eternal gospel in in chapter 14, verse six, uh, saying, and I saw another angel flying in heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people and he said with a loud voice, "Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and the spring of waters." So what uh, what we see here is that God's judgment through uh, the the harvest through through the angels and and what we see here is is the harvest that that's going to happen during his second coming. His judgment is going to be swift towards uh, just what he said he would that he would he would judge the the unrighteous he would judge the people with uh, the mark of the beast, but that he would actually be putting an end to the schemes of of this counterfeit kingdom and and as we read this, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard for us to, as we're trying to decipher, we're trying to l- learn what it is that this means. Uh, we have to try to figure out, like, w- well, you know, that has, every, that has to do with the future. What does that have to do with me? Um, we're not living necessarily in the time of the great tribulation. But uh, just what I want to remind us is, is that, that Satan, what, what we see here doing, these are the very same tactics that he is applying, uh, he's applying these same tactics. He's, he's trying to take over every aspect of our life and he's trying to deceive us in every way possible. He's trying to do these things. Uh, and we, w- while we may not be living in the time of, of the, uh, the antichrist and the time of the mark of the beast, we actually can start seeing uh, just that the end times are coming. Because in, in Scripture, we read uh, just the, uh, the prophets are saying, the apostles are saying that the, the, end, the end is near, and the, the end is near, to be careful, to, to be careful of false prophets. Be careful because the end is near. And so we're starting to see these signs of, 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 of people falling away, people degrading God, people uh, blaspheming God, that they, they have no concern or, or well-being for morality or for uh, justice, that all they're seeking is pleasure. All they're seeking is actually uh, themselves. And just like Satan, in his pride, he wants to be like God, that we actually start idolizing things. We start moving away from God and start moving towards the just different things and and even uh, just idolizing ourselves. So, I mean, I really believe that that we have a very real enemy and that uh, he is, like scripture says, that he's roaring. He's like a lion ready to devour us and seeking to kill and destroy us. And so we need to be prepared. We need to be mindful. We need to be reminded about uh, what's to come, but also to, to see what the signs are and and how Satan is working today. So remember that even though, Satan wants to dominate and deceive that God will deliver on that promise. He will deliver uh, on his promise to put an an end to evil once and for all. So I, I pray that as we read this together, as we're reading chapter 13 and 14, that we can, we can first stop and just think and reflect on how this is going to be just the uh, emergence of the beast, the emergence of this world domination of this power and then the uh, desolation that happens to God's people and we start seeing the desecration uh, of, of of God and his people, the destruction of God and his people that we can actually think about that, that we can think about uh, just the evil that is yet to come. And I hope I don't have to just explain to you the evil that, that we already have in this world, just all the darkness that we see. So trying to fathom what it's going to be like is, is just so hard to take in. Uh, and we see that. Uh, but uh, what I think that what we're asked to do is to, to spend time thinking about this and then actually spend time just wrestling with that, to wrestling with why... Why is this going to happen? Why is this going to happen? And to remember that, that God has a plan and a purpose for everything, including the evil that happens uh, in the world. And so he, he is going to put an end to it. And so what, what for us, I think what we, what we need to, to think about is, is how we're going to have to choose a side. We're going to have to choose a side. And uh, for those that, that have not trusted in Jesus— and this, this is what's to come. This is what's to come, that there's going to be uh, just this domination that happens, that evil that is running rampant around the world. And we read in, in chapters 12, 13, and 14, that there's this clear divine, this clear division between God's people and the kingdom that Satan is trying to, uh, to uh, go against uh, the people of God. And so you have to you have to make a decision. You have to choose which side you're on. But for those that are that are believers, then we have to try to discern what this means. We have to try to discern that uh, through the schemes of the enemy that there can be lies and that there can be deception that we can fall into. That we can fall into uh, lies for, uh, from from uh, the enemy that tell us that, that we need to place our hope in certain areas of our life, whether that's a physical aspect, you know, as in the comforts that we have, the, the money that we have, uh, the uh, lifestyle that we have, uh, to, to placing our comfort in, into even just the, uh, the beliefs that we have about uh, just politics and, and believing that those are the, the things that are going to save us when in reality... It truly is only because of, of Jesus that, that we're saved. And, uh, and the last thing is, uh, I think that we need to, to pray for wisdom. We need to pray for, for, for wisdom to, to reveal that, those things to us because it's so easy for us to, to just idly live our lives day to day. And even as believers, we, we have find comfort and we find joy and the security of our salvation, but uh, man, the the enemy is is relentless. And uh, maybe you've seen that in your life. Maybe you've seen that in certain days, certain weeks, certain uh, periods of your life, where where you just feel like that um, that the enemy is is just just attacking you in certain ways. And so we need to pray for wisdom and clarity from the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us. So. Our, our response, what I, what I love that we've been doing as, uh, as a church family is we've been actually speaking scripture. And so uh, what I want to do to end our time today is I actually want to uh, use the example that David gave us about speaking scripture. He, uh, we have an example of, of King David uh, during, during his final reign that King David uh, was promised uh, by God that there would be an everlasting kingdom that would go through His line, through go through His lineage, and we see here that it's through the end of His His kingdom that uh, that He has this 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 reality that He is not going to be the one that builds the temple of the Lord, but in fact that it's going to be His son, and so what He does. Uh, and this is uh, said in First, in first Chronicles. Uh, this this uh, is, is some, his response to that. His response was, instead of his response being uh, just bitterness or anger that God was not going to use him, his response actually was to give of his resources, of his own personal resources, for the completion of the temple. And so he desired to see God's, God reigning through his people here and we, the, the temple being the, the physical manifestation of God's presence among his people at the time. He wanted that so much because he knew that God needed to be, he, he knew that God reigned, but he wanted to see the temple come to fruition so that others can come to to know that as well. And so, what um, what I'm going to ask is is I've asked uh, the McDougal family to to finish by uh, doing a congregational reading of this. And I pray that this can be uh, just that this can be truth for us. That um, as we go through our life, as we run this race. Uh, in the highs and the lows that we can be, that we can rest in the truth that God is fully in control, that despite of all the schemes of the enemy, despite the uh, attacks of the enemy, that uh, God has a plan and a purpose for that. And so our response is to, to have faith and to believe that and to praise God for that. And so what I'm hoping this will be is... Uh, for us to, to read this together and to be reminded of God's truth together. So if we can please stand, and I'll have them read in our time. Let us read together First Chronicles 29. Then, then David, David praised the Lord, Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. Whole assembly. O, o Lord, the, the God, God of our ancestors, our ancestors Israel. May you, May you be, be praised, praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty.
1: Everything in the,
0: in the heavens and, and on earth, earth is yours, O Lord, and, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is, is over all things. Let me pray for a time. Father, I pray that these words uh, can be true in our lives that we can come to you, that we can praise you because we believe Father that that this is your kingdom, that you are ruler over all that you are supreme, that despite uh, the enemy uh, roaming rampant uh, here on this earth, God that that you will deliver your promise, that you will pronounce judgment against. Satan and against his followers and that you will bring peace and hope uh, and that's going to be for the rest of eternity. And so I pray for us, God, as we live in the the now and the everyday. I pray that your Holy Spirit can guide us. I pray that you can protect us, Father, from the schemes of the enemy. I pray, Father, that you can bring about just clarity through your word, that we can see these clues of hope that we can see these clues of your sovereignty in scripture, that they can point us to you and that they can point us to your perfect plan and your perfect purpose made true by the power of, of your son and that in him that we can place our hope and our trust. Uh, and, and God, I pray that that may be true. I pray for, for those of us that are here that are that are hurting I pray for those for us that are searching, God, I pray that we can uh, seek and find you through the power that comes through your word and through your son, Jesus Christ. So I pray uh, this for us this week. I pray for uh, just our our friends that don't know you as well, Father. I pray that we can be inspired this morning to know that, that it's so important for us to actually declare, to be bold and to declare Uh, Just the eternal gospel, the eternal good news that you sent your son, Jesus. So thank you for this morning, and we pray all this in the name of your son. Amen.